0: Hey guys, I'm here with HD RetroVision for another episode of the Retro RGB Road Trip. We're here in their new office in Chicago, and we're going to give you a little behind the scenes look and a talk with the guys. Alright guys, I'm here with Nick and Steve from HD Retrovision. What's up? This is going to be the weirdest interview I've ever done because I talk to both of you every day. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what to ask you right off the bat, other than what, what I missed this morning maybe. But yeah. um, for people that I guess don't follow the show and don't know who you are,
1: um, who are you? <laughs> Damn it, <Bob. laughs> and, uh, I don't know. Well, what are we or what are we trying to be?
0: Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, I don't know. You guys make component
2: cables for older consoles. (laughs) You're going to make Steve shoot himself (laughs) in the head if you describe it that way. Uh, Yeah, we're Nick and Steve from HD Retrovision. Um, And up to this point, we've focused exclusively on making component (laughs) cables for older consoles. But as Steve likes to point out, that's not what he ever intended the company to be known as. And that, how long has HD Retrovision been a thing? In, like, officially
0: or...? Yeah, officially. Like, since you said, like, let's do this, we're going to make it a company.
1: So it kind of started after I graduated school when I couldn't find the work that was like analog video or just video engineering. In particular and so I started doing my own projects mm-hmm. and so I just started teaching myself things mm-hmm. and gaining my own experience and then eventually I did find a daytime electrical ed- engineering job that did have video focus uh, not as much as I like it to have but it was a good starting point and then at in 2014 is when we uh, in March 2014, mm-hmm. when we uh, officially like, registered hey, as a company. Yeah, we made it HD Retrovision LLC. You know, oh. we registered with the state of Illinois. So,
0: so over over four years since you're officially a company and everything. Yep. Yeah. After four years, you guys must have like 15, 20 cables available to the <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, none oh, right yeah.
2: now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, all kidding aside, though, you actually do have quite a few adapters for your cables. So, uh, you have the Super Nintendo that's designed directly for the SNES, which is unofficially supported on anything that has that connector, like the N64 and all that. Not supported by you guys, but it works if you mod it right. Uh, but the Genesis has adapters for Saturn, PlayStation, Neo, Neo Geo. Geo. What was there, one more? Uh, An unofficial <laughs> adapter for the Jaguar. <laughs> It's a fan-made one. Um, So, obviously, they're designed right for those consoles. Mm -hmm. Um, For anybody that hasn't used them, um, they're definitely a step above the generic converters. Although, it's not really a fair comparison because they're designed for one specific thing, where the generic ones have to be used for everything. Correct. Uh, But it's still, in my opinion, the best option for people that need component out of the consoles that it, uh, it supports. But what else? I mean, uh, you know, do you actually do you have other products coming up? What are you working on that you could talk
1: about? Well, that when we first started out, you know, I kind of had like a list of things I wanted to do. But the main focus of the company and why it's called like HD Retrovision is to make sure you can play your retro technology, retro computing, retro gaming on anything going forward, so HDTVs, Ultra HDTVs. And what we, like the structure we were counting on is, we have two halves. The first half is we get the best analog signal out of your device, which is the component cables. Uh, and then the other half was to digitize it and make it standardized through like an HDMI uh type deal that would work on anything going forward. And that's really the second half that we, ideally, when we launched a company, we would have both ready to go, right? That I don't think I've
0: ever heard you guys explain why it's called HD RetroVision, and that finally makes sense.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> in the early days there were thoughts like, could we do this all in one cable? Could it be like, you know, one box where you have different cables that patch in from each console to HDMI, like there were a number of (laughs) ideas like in the works for how this would work, and um, you know, as you find out, these things all kind of have their own quirks and really have to be dealt with Mm. separately to do it properly, so that's kind of how it ended up as a component cable company that's eventually going to have its own HDMI conversion box.
0: So, are you guys still planning on doing that? Is that something that's still on your roadmap, or are you concentrating still on console cables for a while?
2: I mean, the two main projects we care about now are Dreamcast uh, component cables and that HDMI project. There may be other things kind of secondary along the way, like PlayStation 2, 3 cables were kind of like, you know, a side project. Like, those things exist. We just thought, hey, we're doing all this other stuff, why don't we? put out a high-quality version to kind of help fill the gap in that market because of yeah. the high price of the originals. We may want to do that with Wii cables and Xbox cables, but those are kind of side things to our focus.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, and those those cables were helpful because there's a lot of cheap knockoffs that are not good quality at all. That that it's not even for insane perfectionists like me that you know zoom in a thousand times to see the difference in link's face. Like you could very clearly see a green tint on some screens yeah. with PlayStation or weird artifacts. So that is pretty helpful. Um, but I guess the Dreamcast ones, one you've talked about for a while, that's been on your roadmap since the beginning. Yeah. Um, I've done a bunch of videos and testing on Dreamcast, and the one thing that always kind of got me was on CRTs, like VGA cables look fine, you can get a, you know, the, the the on a VGA monitor you never had to worry, but anytime I put it into a flat screen TV, it was always a roll of the dice on how it would interpret that VGA signal. Um, all the converters I used, pretty much everything except the OSSC, you don't really know what you're getting, so sometimes the aspect ratio is going to be presented as if it was a VGA computer signal, Mm -hmm. and not what it essentially is, which is supposed to be framed as if it was just a TV signal. So does your Dreamcast cables, component cables, is that going to have a solution
1: for that? The solution is kind of inherent in what it is, because the, the Dreamcast generates its video, as a video signal not like a computer monitor type signal but it when you put it in VGA mode it spits out computer monitor sync signals and so you're kind of like mismatching the two and that's why uh, you always have that goofiness with your uh, flat panels and anything that uses tries to decode that signal directly as a computer monitor signal Mm -hmm. but because it's inherently a video signal and we're massaging all the sync signals so it fits as a video signal, it would truly be a video signal that's gonna be interpreted as 720 by 480 correct uh, aspect ratio. It's just inherent in what 480p component is so it's the so way you're
0: manipulating the conversion of the VGA to component sync signals. It's going to be just yeah. inherently inter- uh, interpreted as correct,
1: so right? Yeah, yeah. So the, the sync signals will be massaged into into that, so it'll mm-hmm. be decoded correctly.
0: No, we've done uh, all of us the retro roundtable. Some of us that are just fans of the stuff have done a lot of testing and a lot of debating on is RGB better than component or vice versa and the thing that we've proved time and time again whether it's on the scope or via math formulas or just via stupid captures of Legend of Zelda (laughs) if the conversion's done properly, it's identical Uh, the only problems people have, which is actually very common is they'll get a PVM that's calibrated for RGB and put a component signal and not realize that you have to recalibrate it but We've proven time and time again. If done right, it's the same. Is it the same with VGA, or do you find any differences because 480p VGA versus 480p component? Is there anything in there that you found, or, or is it going to be pretty much a one-to-one, just like with RGB and component?
1: I have not seen any difference, or I mean, I have. We're not we're not far, far enough along yet, to, mm-hmm. so I can give you like a definite answer on that. But my hunch is that. What I've seen so far, there's no it's the same thing, there's no difference. Uh, standard def and enhanced def, mm-hmm. um, the they're, they're coefficients from translating between the two are identical. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's when you get into high def and other stuff is where more errors come in from one thing doing a forward conversion to YPPPR and then something doing the wrong conversion back to RGB before it's displayed.
0: So theoretically, and on paper, it should be identical in every way, and it just you know, and gotten far enough far enough along in the project to produce screenshots to prove it for exactly. A, okay.
2: Yeah, and if people haven't seen that uh, roundtable episode where I talk about this, I mean, it really ends up just being like a rotating your head type thing. like the the points that represent you know your color in space are the same. RGB versus YPbPr those things aren't changing what you're changing is the coordinate system and so as long as you know how to change back and forth between coordinate systems you're not distorting those points so that's mm-hmm. when he talks about you know the coefficients being wrong forward versus backwards what that ends up being is you're doing the wrong rotation back and so your your colors get all messed up i think the analogy we
0: used was that it would be like Um, if somebody that's very fluent in two languages translates versus somebody who only knows a little bit, if I said, hey, what's up guys? A bad translator might look up, (laughs) whereas, you know, a good translator is one-to-one exactly what I meant by it. So is that still probably a decent enough analogy for... It's decent
2: enough. It's not a perfect analogy, but yeah, I mean, (laughs) it it helps to think of it that way, like like a game of telephone almost, like, um... I'm translating it this way and then somebody else translates it back there may be something lost there but
1: I like the game of telephone uh, analogy because that everything in theory would work correctly but the more steps you add the more complexity the more room for problems to show up mm-hmm. and that's really where I think most people have like disdain for uh, component-based color spaces, YPbPr, CBCr, those types of things, because it's just you add more practical uh, rooms for error, like in the mm-hmm. practicality of it, and implementing a system. If some this guy does it wrong, then your whole thing is like shot. Mm-hmm. So. But. So
0: um, I guess you just mentioned, you know, at this at this point. Um, How far along are you? And I know I hate asking this question, but do you have a target date? And I hate asking that question, which we'll get back to later, because I know you guys have day jobs, and you also run HD Retrovision. So and you also have hobbies. So it's really hard to to, to put a number on that. But do you have an estimate of where you're at and how long it would
1: take for Dreamcast? I think we were discussing last time it was like 2079. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We'll have the first prototype ready. There you go. Back. Well, we already have prototypes, but. Yeah, I mean,
2: it's... Uh, I, the answer is no, because we are still juggling priorities between things, mm. so... Um, you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but... Actually, I think we should a little bit, because I think people that, uh, that
0: follow the Roundtable might know a lot of the Surface stuff. People that don't might be seeing you guys for the first time, but I think that's something that we've uh, jokingly and publicly argued about a lot but the the non-joke about it is very true in that you know it's common that you can't just take time off from work to do something you love in, it, even if it makes barely enough money to get by is that how you really want to live your life mm-hmm. barely getting by as adults you know we're not kids Right. even though when Nick shaves he looks like a kid yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know we have to we have to live our adult lives and chase these dreams and still try to be functional members of society so mm-hmm. it's you know where are you guys with that I mean you I know you still have a full time job that you work right I and mean, yep. just how do you find the
2: time to do all this stuff um, <laughs> I, excluding most other things from our daily life other than running pretty much so yeah I
1: do two things I work and I work out that's tell yeah. everyone like mm-hmm. there's like no no personal life yeah. at all um, and people some people are annoyed that you never hang out with them and so
2: <laughs> yeah yeah that's, but of course, that's not good enough for for some people who yeah. think we should be way further along, but uh, or get mad at us that we closed the store for a few months um, as we did recently. But
0: well, I mean, if, if to,
2: anybody didn't
0: take the time to read your announcement, which. Let's be honest. Most people just read the first line of something and then delete the email. But yeah. I, I can't. I mean, I can imagine that. Just saying, hearing that you're closing the store, well, what the hell are you doing? Don't you want to do this for a living? Yeah. Not understanding everything that goes in, uh, into something like that.
2: Yeah, it's uh, just a juggling of our own time. Like we can either spend time dealing with customer service and selling products, or we can spend time developing, and those two things. Conflict with each other and are hard to do simultaneously. I mean, some has happened, but it's not the same as like having dedicated blocks of time to just focus on one thing. Mm. And as I've pointed out a million times, like our stuff is getting made now anyway, uh, so keeping a store open just to sell a few products here and there doesn't really make sense when we could just close down. Stuff's being manufactured. Yeah, and we stuff's can being made. An
0: existing stock of yours is being sold at other stores. So right. It's uh, it's not like the only place you can get them is the eBay scalpers. You can still get them, just not direct for now. And there's no markup. Any of your official resellers don't don't tag on fifty
2: bucks onto the price. Yeah, I mean it's, their their pricing is a little bit different than ours. Yeah, like, but it's it's fair. in the ballpark.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but like as, as a concrete example of the juggling time and how we it's hard to focus on sales and support and development at the same time. Uh, if people were tuning into the round table like late 2017, early 2018, uh, a lot of my topics were related to technical things that I discovered during Dreamcast development. Mm. Uh, like like crosstalk and wires and then the VGA box with all the EMI stuff that Sega put and all that kind of interesting Dreamcast stuff because I was making real Nice headway in January, February, and part of March. Then part of March, but we restocked our store March 17th, and there's been zero work done on Dreamcast since then.
0: Yeah, so, so it
1: completely throws a wrench into everything.
0: Right, so you just brought up two points. The first one, once again, for people that don't know you guys, I'll make it quick. Um, although you're two guys, you operate like a legit accredited electronics business. You don't just slap together a circuit and send it down the assembly line and then wait to hear complaints as you're troubleshooting. Yeah. You go through and you test tons of revisions and you double and triple check your work and you build, uh, you've seen, shown the test jig before, um, you've shown pictures of that that shows how you test the boards that you have so that um, both the boards and the cables could be tested. So that alone is more than any, I mean that's what separates you from a hobby business.
2: There's even more than that. I mean, I can name a few other things. Like, our failure rate on cables has been very, very low because of that test uh, jig. Mm-hmm. But we have had a few, and we send those cables back and have them analyzed and study the results and get x ray pictures. Like, there's a whole bunch of, you know, little things that go on kind of behind the scenes that never really gets aired in public because we want that... Failure rate to be zero, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, throw it on an X-ray machine and see. Okay, this was just a cold solder joint or whatever. Maybe there was some problem. Um, we've had issues uh, back when we first started that got resolved, like on the assembly line, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, they change like a slight thing to the process, and all of a sudden that issue goes away. I mean, those are important things uh, that we have to work on, and you know, maybe not don't get seen um, which is a yeah. good thing because that means we took care of it But
0: uh, yeah very often in, in situations like this the most work is not what's ever seen by the people Right. so they just see even people that would put your cables on a scope and understand how the signals actually look the way they're supposed to as opposed to white dropping off or green melting in or anything like that it's, um, it's the support side and that's you know have you guys ever considered help with this stuff I mean Uh, Five years ago, things were totally different. Now you could have a thousand cables made and sent to Amazon. I think the minimum is actually five hundred, fulfilled by Amazon. So, you know, sales and distribution you don't have to deal with anymore. But now you have a a lot of support to deal with. But and although you don't want to just write a support script and send it to India because people will hate you forever, you know there are there are medium channels. Is that something you guys are looking to
2: to free up your time to do other stuff? Um. I mean, it's something that I have thought about as something a little further out. Like, I want to develop our um, support system so at least as a, a front end, there's a pretty decent system where the customer can go and diagnose their own issue, right? Like, we have an FAQ, and we have troubleshooting pages, and those are kind of all over the place and it kind of needs to be centralized, made a little easier. Mm. And then as a step two, maybe at some point we'd have that. Um, But at least currently, I would say the fact that we've done all the support ourselves has been really important because we've learned a lot of things. Like I don't necessarily want um, someone to to handle the support tickets this early on in the
1: company. Um, But it's... Supporting this type of product is actually <laughs> yeah, super difficult. It's very difficult. I, I I can't even imagine being able to train people to pick out some of these weird quirk issues. Yeah,
2: that's right the other thing. It. Do we spend six months like training someone? Yeah, and then having to step away from other things like. Yeah. Well, there's
0: also the other end of that, is where you just get you know a high a school nerd like one of us yeah. to come in and say. Any email that's uh, answered in the FAQ, just memorize our FAQ, it'll take you a day or two. <laughs> sure. And then just you know f- respond to that and anything else filter to us. So that's certainly got to cut a slice off the top of your sport tickets, but at the end of the day, you're still spending a lot of time on sport tickets, which... Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it, it's weird too, because this is not something that's like a constant stream, right? Mm-hmm. So you have like little Flips of a lot, either uh, a few different support tickets or one issue that's very heavy task. Mm. Um, and if you're gonna hire, let's say, outside help, they, they want consistent work, first of all. You can't just hire, they'll, they'll get a job where they'll get paid consistently versus, oh, you have, there's no, a week with no tickets or something. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then those, those heavy tasks are, you know, they're sometimes really weird. Like they're, these are old consoles and telling people that it's very highly likely that it's, uh, their console might be broken is not something they readily believe. And we've had people send the consoles in and then I have to take them apart. And say, oh, your fuse resistor is busted on your five volt line.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of hard things to, that go into that too. Like we've seen, I, um, I, uh, a few of my friends had done troubleshooting on these things and found out that it was the uh, AC adapter, especially for SNES. Some of those they had to just had one great. of those. Just had one of
1: those. Yeah, I had to send the console in because mm-hmm. um, he, he thought like uh, our cables. He wasn't he didn't explicitly say it, but. Um, is kind of, you could sense that he was thinking that the cables are blowing out his SNES consoles. Oh, wow. I don't think uh, because that's he plugged it into two. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm trying to think of scenarios where that would occur, and I can't kind of think of one, but I also, I you never know. There's no oh, way to prove go. it right? Right. until I look at it, so yeah. I have to dedicate time to look at that. And, print return labels and stuff like ship everything back yeah,
0: that's that in itself is time consuming yeah, yeah so that's that's five minutes minimum for each and then you know that, all that
2: adds up probably. yeah and then there's things like um i don't know if it was maybe a month or two ago where usps just lost like 15 of our packages from a, a day's worth of orders lovely and you start getting emails like a month later because you know, I don't keep track of tracking numbers from all the packages, so I didn't know that they'd gone missing, and people start emailing all around the same time. Like, why hasn't my thing shipped yet? It hasn't been scanned, so then it's like, you know, hours of creating a spreadsheet to keep track of all this, chasing down USPS. and That um, alone
0: is a nightmare. I'd rather never do that again if I had to. Yeah,
2: it's, uh, it's a big headache, and then so we end up, you know, it's been... Whatever, a month and USPS didn't do any initial scans. We're like, all right, we gotta send these people replacement packages, you know, it's not fair, um, this situation. So we send those all out, and then like a week later, USPS finds them and scans them all in. And so then I gotta spend a bunch of time on a new spreadsheet coordinating people to send returns is like <laughs> just a big I mean, nightmare I mean, of times. It, it was
1: very time consuming.
0: Yeah. So um, how, so far, I mean, we're in your new office, which is, you're quite literally just moved into, so you just have, like, a sign and a couch and stuff, but um, I'm assuming this is going to be your main point of operations, both as a business mailing address and your little lab, but uh, up until now, what does that really entail? Has it just been spread across your house, Steve, for doing all the the soldering and
1: all this design? parents' closets as well. Yeah. We got everything out of there. Yeah, there was
2: stuff in... Steve's basement, Steve's dining room, Steve's upstairs, my parents' uh, house in my old bedroom. And so, you know, probably a lot of time was wasted between, oh, man, I need this console, I got Call Nick's parents and drive over. Oh,
1: oh it's two a.m. I gotta wait till the next day. Yeah, it destroys the whole momentum of what you're working on. Yeah,
0: yeah so I know. That feeling just having everything in one place and having that one place not be far away from where you live yeah. is easy. Harder for you though. Yeah, it's <laughs> harder for me. But uh, but right. uh, what what do you mostly do out of your house then? The, all of the back end administration and business side
2: and business stuff, and I do software all the time and technical analysis on my. My computer. So I, everything I do is mostly um, computer-based, but you know I've got some equipment there as well. Um, but yeah, certainly the bulk of operations will be run out of this place. And this is Chicago, and you're in Maryland, right? Yep. How far away is that even to drive? Uh, it took me uh, 12 hours of driving. Oh, so you're not going to pop over for yeah. a, a quick <laughs> but it's an hour session. hour and a half flight, so it's not bad.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, uh, is there anything on the roadmap that you guys haven't talked about yet, or is it still just, um, you know, still the same things, just trying to find time to to continue to move along and do those as well?
1: The roadmap? um, Or is there anything
0: that you'd like to do that's not even uh, even more than a thought bubble yet?
1: There's something I'd like to do, uh, and I probably would do it through the company. I've kind of been talking about it for a while, uh, was... Uh, I use a lot of circuit simulation software uh, to do almost all my work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like Spice, uh, right? Spice simulation, yeah. Mm -hmm. And there is a lot you can do with it, and I don't think people can realize how valuable it is. And I kind of wanted to make a video series explaining people how to use that effectively in all little tips and tricks that I picked up over the years um, that I think really needs to be out there because so a lot of a people are basically layman's
0: time. terms of that is that you could put a spice simulation of like a board design as long as you put the input uh, inputs correctly so if you're just going to be doing you know RGB to component you put everything in there it could model what would happen in real life if you've already made those boards soldered them together
1: but all in real time modeling right Right, you can, you right click a resistor and type a value in instead of ordering one from (laughs) DigiKey in a few days for it to show up by the time you forget what you're even trying to test. (laughs) So uh, it's very useful and we've used it on all our designs, like we have entire designs in Spice, like before, that's like the step one Hmm. before you even breadboard before you make first protos it's all in spice and we also used it for when we were designing a test fixture that's right to get like min max type of stuff so what if these components were at their out of tolerance max and these at the mid. what should be a valid reading on the output
2: right you have like 100 components in your design and each of them have some small error to them spice lets you kind of randomly assign errors to all your components run a simulation see what your output would be and then do that a thousand times (laughs) and you can kind of see your range of outputs right so then you can say, okay, test fixture, pass everything within these ranges because, you know, this resistor could be plus 5%, this capacitor could be minus 1%, you know, whatever your ranges are. um, It kind of lets you do that without building a thousand circuits (laughs) and testing it out on your own. That's pretty awesome.
1: Is there a big learning curve for that, you think? It's huge, and that's why I think not a lot of people use it but if you can step people through it it'll be accessible. So that's one of my fears now that I'm turning into
0: a grubby old man is that I've spent so many countless hours of my life learning something that I found out wasn't the best tool to use so without exaggerating over the course of my life it's probably been thousands of hours learning something where I'm like all right, I got this down and then I get halfway through a project and realize that was the wrong tool for the job throw all of that knowledge is now useless throw it out now I'll learn something new so I think having guides and uh, having people steer other people in the right direction for something like that would be awesome it's yeah. gonna take a lot of time though making videos isn't quick yeah process. I know
1: I was kind of waiting to get into the office to even like look at that in mm-hmm. its entirety because I need a well a good place to shoot the mm-hmm. the videos and more time uh but other than, I mean, the, this, this office is part of our big push to be like, we need to develop these things we've been talking about for so long. That is really what we think the company is made of. Yeah. And so besides, you know, development, may, if I have time to do some Spice videos, that'd be cool too, because I think they'll be useful useful for other people. But...
2: One thing I've had in the back of my mind for a while—I've actually even sketched out outline of it—is um, you know we've done talks before where we have kind of we did one at I uh, think it's called NERP. Um, it's a hackerspace kind of event where we you know outlined the history of the company in you know I don't know twenty PowerPoint slides and just kind of talked like fun stories here and there. And we've done talks like with you at. Um, Uh, retro world retro
0: world
2: yeah and I ended up uh, reading this book that he recommended to me called Rework where kind of gives you like an outline for how to run a company effectively but it's really much from the perspective of a software company Mm -hmm. and I think there would be really cool to lay out some of the knowledge we've gained in, in growing this small company we've got a hardware perspective so it'd be a little different um, so I think it'd be really cool to write like a book at some point and just jot all this stuff down and make it really easy to read. If you ever read Rework, it's a um, super quick read, but tons of just valuable nuggets, and I think we could do something similar. So I kind of sketched out an outline for that and would love to just sit down and write at some point.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's that's one where I was reading and it's like, it's really, really want to work in hardware like the yeah. most of it like 90% was good but then it's like I don't see any way you wouldn't be able to do it like this I'm like eh, I see like 10 ways won't be able to do it like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: well I guess that pretty much sums everything up I mean uh, anybody that wants to know any more detail we do the retro roundtable podcasts a couple times a month when uh, when it's available to do Probably would have done one tonight if I planned my trip a little bit better.
2: <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, it's <been laughs> getting harder to coordinate schedules. Like It seems like now that it's summer, we all kind of have a bunch of stuff going on. So hopefully we can do another one of those again soon. Mm-hmm. Alright, well I guess that pretty
0: much sums it up. So uh, follow you guys on Twitter, follow the Retro Roundtable. And uh, the one thing about that one, um, since it is so random that we do them, uh, click the little bell and subscribe on YouTube, uh, we don't. We only put up the podcast, so it's not like some yeah. of these YouTube channels where you'll get hit with five emails a day, it's just, whenever we do it, you'll get notified, and that's it. But, I'm um, forgetting anything else? That's probably. Probably. <laughs> probably. Well, Twitter and YouTube, pro- and, you know, hdretrovision.com is probably yep. the uh, best way to do it, but... Thanks for taking the time to do this. Hopefully the next time I come back um, it'll be more than just a poster and a, in a, a couch. Maybe we'll have <laughs> a new product to show or something. Yep. Do it again. Awesome, right. man. Thanks, Thanks. guys.